0: This is the Bigger Pockets podcast show. Two sixty-five. We took over this property. Uh, our average rent was four hundred and sixty or four hundred and sixty-five dollars. Today, our average rent is seven hundred and fifteen dollars. Wow! Only oh my- the only thing that changed that we you know we didn't we didn't do anything crazy to the we added some baseboard and we repainted the interiors when people moved out. Yeah, and, and we added dishwashers, and that's it. That's all we did. And we've got the rents up to $715. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here
1: looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What is going on, everyone? This is Brandon, the host of today's Bigger Pockets podcast here with my wonderful co-host, Mindy Jensen. How you doing, Mindy?
2: Brandon, I am doing awesome. Today's a great day. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. You know, you and I bought a mobile home park
1: uh, along with yes, Ryan Murdoch, and that's going well. I we actually just got an email from him. I don't know if you saw it came in when we were recording the podcast. Uh, no,
2: I was paying attention to the recording, Brandon. As soon
1: as we hung up from the recording, I checked it, and he says, Ryan, who's our boots on the ground guy, said, this is great, I gotta read this. So he said, Where is it? One other weather related nuisance. We had a ton of snow between Christmas and the first week of January to the point where the plow guys had nowhere left to push the snow. That's a pretty common thing (laughs) here in Maine. (laughs) So they ended up bringing a giant bucket loader to come and move snow. Anyway, that's fun. I I never knew I'd get that email. Literally. That
2: happened to me in Wisconsin. The first year I lived in Wisconsin, they got 101 inches of snow. And at the end of like the 101 inches, I'm like, I can't even throw it high enough over <laughs> the snowbanks on the driveway to get it off the driveway. I don't know where to put this anymore. Wow. Well, yeah, I ended up throwing it in the street. Let those plows take care of it. <laughs>
1: Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So and so that's fun. I'm I'm excited. We can kind of like over the next you know few years give people updates on how it's going. But so far so good. No exploding pipes, and that's a good thing. So. Um, And
2: they've had bitter cold. I sent a a note this morning, like, Hey, I just want to double check. Like I'm the silent partner in this, but I don't really want to be silent. I want to learn all I can about mobile home parks. So together we can take over the mobile home park industry.
1: We are taking it over. So anyway, it's fun being in this deal with you. And yeah, you guys, I want to, I want to speak to everybody here on the podcast right now and we'll get to the interview in just a second, but I want to say like, Bigger Pockets is such a cool place to find people to work with. Like me and Mindy are working together. Uh, I work with a lot of people from Bigger Pockets because like everybody has something that they can bring to the table and then something that they need. Right. And so just like start networking, talking with people. Uh, that's how you do business is by networking and Bigger Pockets is the largest real estate site in the world for networking. So and guess how much it costs. It's free for a membership. Unless you become a pro member, which is even more cool. But anyway. Do it. Hang out in the forums. Mindy is a sheriff over there in the forums. You'll see her a lot there. And, yes, uh, you will. Yeah. You're the you're the one that uh, like cracks down people when they start, you know, self-promoting themselves. Like
2: yeah. I crack the whip. Yes. I do want to say that if you have something to offer somebody, if you want to be in a partnership with somebody or you want to even just do some sort of business with somebody, tell them what you can bring to them yep. before you ask them for things.
1: Very, very good tip right there. That could be today's quiz. But quick it's not. tip. But it's not the quick tip. It could be that's though. The,
2: that's just the regular old tip. That's the old Today's tip. Today's
3: quick tip
2: is do you know that we offer landlord forms state, on our website? State-specific landlord State-specific landlord forms. Yes, we worked with attorneys in individual states to take a lease and make sure that it conforms to that state's landlord-tenant laws. Today, you will hear our guest, Andy Propst, talk about knowing your landlord-tenant laws and even using them as a way to gauge where you want to invest. Yep. And your lease must follow your landlord-tenant laws of your state. So we did the hard work for you. We currently have, uh, when this show goes live on February 8th, we will have 15 states available at biggerpockets.com forward slash LL Forms. That's L L F is in Frank. O R M S for Landlord Forms.
3: There
1: you go. We got states like California, Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, South Carolina, Ohio, Indiana, and a few more. New York, Illinois, and a, a bunch more coming. And uh new ones being added all the time. Every month we add new ones. So I uh, check back often. Biggerpockets.com slash LL Forms. LL stands we for what?
2: Landlord.
1: Landlord. The Ladies Lord of love- the Land.
2: Ladies love like LL Cool
1: J. Oh, is that what that stands for?
2: Ladies love Cool James. Really, Brandon? Really? I
1: thought it was landlord Cool James. I don't know.
2: Weird. Oh, (laughs) wow. Okay. So anyway, nobody wants to hear us. No, Okay, moving on. Let's
3: bring in our, our guest here in a minute. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling and properties are available at a discount which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise Flagship Funds billion dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting fundrise.com/pockets. fundrise.com/pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com/flagship. This is a paid advertisement. So today's guest is actually a guy,
1: so my buddy Nathan Brooks, who's a awesome dude out of, where's he at, Kansas City, I think. Uh, He's going to yell at me if I got that wrong, but anyway. In Memphis? No, he's not in Memphis, but he's like, he's got a a turnkey company out there in the Midwest somewhere. Uh, Man, he's going to yell at me for not knowing that. Uh, Anyway, he actually connected me here with Andrew Propst. Andrew is a property manager who has 13,000 units under management uh, in a bunch of different states. I can't remember how many, but like a dozen states or something like that. 11, um, I think. Was yeah, was 11, yeah. I mean, like, and he also has his own investment as well. He's recently bought a 42-unit apartment building and is making like a million dollars on it. It's crazy. You guys got to hear the story. We go through a lot of landlord stuff today talking about how to become a better landlord and property manager, but also how to find deals. He's got some amazing tips on finding deals, stuff that we don't really, I don't even think we've ever talked about here on the show. So-
2: I was gonna say, yeah. I've never heard either of those two main tips that he shares yep. on any of these 264 other shows that we've had.
1: Yeah, he's hes legit. So you guys, make sure you listen to that. If you're enjoying the show, as always, please leave us a rating and review uh, and subscribe to our channel over on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, Mindy's got a show called the BP Money Show. Make sure you guys listen to that and subscribe to that as well. So without further ado, did you like that quick plug for your show, Mindy?
2: I do. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Thank I you. want to say oh. this is the best five first five minutes of any podcast we've ever done.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't tell Josh that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, Josh, Josh. Uh, this is the most interesting first five minutes of the actual show. We've been yammering around for five minutes already, but oh, the yeah, actual yeah, yeah, yeah. show when Andy comes in. Yeah. It's fascinating. Best five minutes ever. Yeah. Okay. Wait, so without yeah, wait further ado, let's bring him in. Andy, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. It's good to have you here.
1: Hey,
0: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, this should be a lot of fun today. So uh, before we get into any talk about real estate, I want to uh, address the I don't know called elephant in the room because nobody knows there is an elephant in the room. But uh, something I just I saw in like your bio, and I was like, no way.
3: So I looked it up,
1: and sure enough, like you have an an incredible story, like not even related to real estate. Having to do with being right. kidnapped. I want to hear. Can you tell us the story? I know everybody else. We're gonna get to real estate in a minute. <laughs> I got to hear this from
0: you. Yeah, I'll I'll make it a quick version. Um, the good news about the story is uh, they made a movie about me being kidnapped, so that helps me shorten the yes, story because I'll just I'll just send you to the movie. Uh, you can you can stream it live on Prime now. It's free. So yeah, I was a I was an LDS missionary. I was twenty years old. My dear companion and myself, we were approached by some Russian mobsters. We didn't know at the time. They asked us to come to their apartment to talk to them about art, you know, uh, what we do, you know, yep. selling religion, basically. So we <laughs> went to the apartment. We walked in, and immediately we just started getting beat by bats. It's like knocked over the head. We didn't know what was happening. Uh, oh my god! It was, it was like it was crazy, traumatic. They 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 bound us. They tied us up. They took us out in the middle of nowhere in this little this little town in Surat of Russia and we we were held captive there for a week and there was a three hundred thousand dollar ransom demand on the church or the american government my family anybody that would pay obviously the church won't a church government anybody won't pay those those ransoms because if they do then every missionary every tourist would be a, a target five days later you know the fsb kgb the church security state department we had help from bill clinton gordon smith lots of pressure they got scared and they took us out in the middle of nowhere and dropped us off, and we, you know, hiked back to our our missionary home. And uh, they flew us to Germany. We spent a couple of days getting checked out in the hospital, and then we got reassigned to England. And then I finished my mission in wow. um, in nineteen. 19- reassigned. Yeah, yeah, reassigned <laughs> to to England. So yeah, I mean, that's a very short version. But again, it's a it's a it's a great movie. I got called by a a, a director in 2011. He said, Hey, I wanted to make a movie about this story. It seemed like an awesome story. I want to know the rest of it. And, uh, that was in 2011. And then we released it in November of 2013. And, uh, you know, it's got like four and a half stars on Amazon. It's a, it's a great movie called the Saratov approach. S A R A T O V approach. So, um, believe it or not, obviously, going on a mission you learn a lot about life, and then you get kidnapped, you learn a lot more about life. <laughs> yes. So it, it was a, it was a very difficult experience at the time, but probably one of the you know the biggest the biggest learning experiences I've had. You know, it, it really teaches you a lot about what's important, and you know, you typically don't get that when you're 20. Yeah. So wow. So that was, wow. that was good. That was really good. That was a really quick version. I'm sorry. <laughs> <I know>. That's <laughs> the best
2: icebreaker story ever. <laughs>
0: But yeah, it was, it was pretty funny because uh, I was just, I was meeting with a, a property management owner last night here in, in Arizona. I'm here at a conference and they were, they were mentioning that some Russians like broke into their bank account and stole $900,000. And then the the CIA called them and said, I think your husband's been kidnapped. And I said, oh, that's very interesting because uh, I've uh, been kidnapped were- <laughs> by Russians. And they're like, really? Like, <laughs> just like totally out of the blue, just blew him out of the water. I'm like, yeah, so yeah, they didn't know that I was, so I just kind of blew them. Wow,
1: that's, that's, that's random.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So
1: all right, so we're going to make a really awkward transition here. Yeah, so sure. how how did your how did this
0: experience being
1: kidnapped by Russian mobsters lead you to get into real estate investing?
0: Well, this this is pretty interesting. Like I I um I'm just kind of a cheap frugal guy, right? I just like I I don't like, like throwing away money, just a weird stuff. And I always thought that like this is probably bad for the podcast. Like I never wanted to pay rent. I either wanted to build equity, but just never just throw rent away. Yeah. And so when I got off my mission, I tried immediately because my sister, when I was on my mission, she wrote me, she said, I'm managing properties. I'm an on-site manager and I don't have to pay rent. And I was fascinated by that. Like you get to live there for free and basically do nothing. And you know. <laughs> and so I said, I want to do that. I got back from my mission and nobody would hire me because uh, they all said, Hey, we, we're only hiring couples. We need somebody that does maintenance. And then your wife would typically do the books. And so I'm like, Oh, well, this is an easy fix. Uh, I'll just get married. And so basically, <laughs> basically married the first girl I saw, uh, who's, who's like the best woman in the world we've been married for almost 20 years. And so we got married. We walked in the first job we interviewed for, we got hired. And I, I started out my property management career in 1999 as an on-site manager at the Crossroads village in Tigard, Oregon. So wow, uh, that's how I started in, in the property, in the property management, real estate. And then obviously you're not paying rent. You can set money aside and then, you know, build, kind of build your net worth that way. So I always worked a second job, but always managed properties my whole life. And, you know, when we moved, we moved to Idaho, I got really serious about property management, building the single family side, along with the multifamily side, got a bunch of certifications in property management, commercial real estate. And um, just just grew started to grow my own personal portfolio, and most importantly, helping others uh, because I understand you know the intricacies of the business and what tenants are doing and where the demands are, et cetera. Uh, helping other people grow. I mean, we've in, in Boise alone, we've helped put 3,600 new units in the ground, wow. uh, just, just new development just in Boise, which is that's a, it's a lot for Boise. Uh, but we're also doing it in other markets too which, which is great. And then we've helped owners really take advantage of the down real estate cycle. We help people buy in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. And then that, that's kind of slowed in our market. So now we're pushing people to other markets where the yields are better. So it's just, you know, it's, it's been a long ride in the, you know, the, the, the real estate, the real estate roller coaster, but it's, it's been fun and, wow. uh, you know, building, helping, you know, building my own portfolio is fun, but helping other people, Kind of reach their investment goals is like that. What that's what makes you feel good. That's awesome. So I kind of want to. You guys do the same thing. Yeah, we try. Wow. We try. I.
1: I. So I want to. You got expertise in two. Uh, you know, a lot of areas, but specifically two areas I want to focus on today. Uh, number one is that you're like your personal journey. I want to know like your own real estate. How did you do all that? How did, like what did you buy? And we'll go through that first, and then I want to shift over to like how do we manage tenants? Like, what are the things you've learned now? In managing properties, managing tenants, dealing with people, because like honestly, a lot of people get into real estate and they think that the hard part is buying the real estate, and then it's all easy from there. But really, like yeah. you could you could get an amazing real estate deal, the best deal ever, and still go bankrupt because you don't manage your properties right. Like it doesn't end once you get the units. So I think we'll yeah. kind of split between the two. Uh, so maybe we start with uh, I mean, let's talk with you. Like, how did you get started with your own like actual investments? Like, what did you buy first?
0: Yeah, I think my my first investment was a duplex. And this I bought this in 2008 in Nampa, Idaho. It was a duplex. It was a newer duplex. It was built in 2006 or 7. And then immediately the guy bought it, leveraged it to the hilt, right? And then who knows what kind of tenants they put in there. I think he paid like a 1% cap rate for this thing. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> and he was just gonna hold it for a couple days, <laughs> right? And then sell it for $100,000 more. And that's what everybody would do. So I put a hundred percent down, probably took a 25%, you know, took 25% off the top of that. And then immediately the market crashed. And then he had, he, he was in an upside down position. Yeah. So we bought, we bought that in foreclosure. I think I, I think he paid three thirty-four. it. I paid one ten oh, wow. for it. And then it was, it was basically brand new. And I, 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 I still, I still have it today. And, and then I just started in 2008, 2009, 2010, just slowly buying single family, multi, you know, fourplexes, duplexes. And then the, the largest project I own is a 42 unit apartment complex. I recently, recently bought a, uh, a bowling alley with 10,000 square feet of commercial space. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's just, it just like, literally, I, I, I am not attached one bit to the, the paint color, the carpet. I strictly look at the numbers, you know, what, what, what is the vacancy? What is the potential revenue? What are the expenses? And it's really easy. I think a property manager, for example, is a great person to talk to. If you really want to understand what the real rents are going to be and what the expenses are going to be, because they're managing hundreds of these things and they can look at their, they can look inside of their units and, you know, make a really good budget assumption on how these things perform. And the other thing that's really important is that, you know, every time I, I buy an asset and I, I try to consult with some people when they buy assets, is the, the, the folks is never like, look at the details. The devil's in the details on these things. Like people don't review the leases. They don't review the attachments to the leases. They don't look at the, the applications, Who, what the people are, you know, who are the people are, are in there. And that stuff is really important for you to kind of judge your performance, yeah. uh, especially the first six months. Because if you get in there and there's a bunch of really, you're looking at these, these documents and they're bad and they're not updated. We've seen that we've seen situations where people are, are, are looking at buying a property and they have you know uh, deposits in the system that don't match the deposits in the lease. It really doesn't matter what the system says; it matters what the lease says. And then they get just killed uh, when these tenants move out because these tenants are expecting a thousand dollar deposit, but the system only says five hundred. And so there's a delta there. And I've just seen a lot of investors just get excited about like what the box looks like and not like what's inside the box or what's in the paperwork. So it's it's really important to kind of slow down. If you're doing this for the first time, if you're not sure what to look for in leases and addenda, you know, I think it's really important, you know, to get somebody that does know those things like a, like a, like a property manager for example, with certifications hopefully and, you know, keep you out of trouble because I've seen a lot of investors get hurt. Yeah. By not mm-hmm. getting the right things.
1: That's so good. Like there's so much in there I want to I want to unpack. First of all, uh, so a lot of people feel, I don't know, There's a lot of bad property managers out there, a lot of really bad ones where, I mean, I've hired some bad property managers and like, I I wouldn't even like, I didn't even know that was a thing I could like ask for help or consulting with them because they were just like so busy. They didn't care about anything. It wasn't until, uh, you know, David Green, who uh, recently published a book through bigger pockets called long distance real estate investing. And he talks about like this core four, there's four people on your team. You've got to have a good relationship with and they matter more than everyone. And one of those is your property manager. And he makes this case that like if you have a really good property manager, they are the person you can go to to find out how much it's going to rent for, what to expect for vacancy, what are repairs typically in this area going to cost me. Like so, sure. I, I just think that it was a good point you made there, and it's like you've got to get a good property manager. Like if you need if you need help with these things, and we all need right. help with these things. So um, I'm wondering, yeah. do you have any advice on like how how can I if I'm a newer investor, or maybe even not a newer investor, how do I go? And build a relationship with a property manager like yourself. I mean, can I just call you up, cold call you on the phone, and be like, "Hey, I want to pick your brain for a half hour." Is that how it works? Sure. Any tips?
0: Yeah, and I, you know, and I mentioned, I mentioned this line, and I and, and I don't, I don't want to forget it because you told me, but you never know how important a property manager is until you hire a bad property manager. I know that line yeah. resonates <laughs> with a lot of people. Yes. But yes. if you've ever hired a bad one, you you uh, you really appreciate the good ones. If you've always had a good one, you just never realize how good they are until you hire a bad one. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's re- I mean, back to your question, as far as, you know, talking to a property manager, I mean, to me as, as an investor that buys in other areas, to me, it starts online. I always try to go online and I like to see property managers that really put themselves out there. Right. So if you go to, if you land on a property management website and they don't have the staff in there, like the names and who they are and specifically what they charge, you know, and they're upfront about everything. Um, you know, that, that's kind of a red flag to me because if they're upfront about who they are online, they're probably going to be upfront and helpful who they are in person. Yeah. And so that's where I would start. And then when you find that person, you, Hey, look, I found somebody online. They've got their picture online. They've got like a Facebook page. They've got certifications in property management. These people have a lot to lose if they don't do a good job, right? That's, that's the people you want to hire. You don't want to hire people that have nothing to lose. And if they, if they have a lot to lose, then they're probably gonna do what's right and try to do what's right for you. And so then you can have, you can start building that relationship with them. But I think a lot of it starts online and then just calling them up. If you find somebody and not just, not just do a Google search and find the first property manager that's on the top, doesn't necessarily mean they're the best. It's probably a good chance that they're good if they're you know, higher on, this, on the Google search, but I would look at a few to make the right decision. And then just talk to them. And if you're investing long distance, You know, obviously I would highly recommend, you know, getting in a plane, going out there and meeting them as one of the first things you do in going into a new market because there's nobody that's gonna understand what the rents are, what the expenses are, what the areas are. If you talk to a real estate agent, I love real estate agents, I'm a broker myself, but they might tell you rents that might not jive with what's actual. Property manager, is they're gonna tell you what's right because they're stuck with you. At the end of the day, once the property sells, you're there. They're there. The agent's gone. You're, you know, they're they're the one that should be, in my opinion, quoting the rents. So yeah. a great property manager is a huge asset to me. As if you're building a portfolio in in multiple markets.
2: Okay, so you do due diligence on your property management team. Wow, what an amazing concept.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, so I'm wondering how, how do you do that? I mean, what do you what are you looking for? Like, like when you go and meet with the same person, I mean, what kind of questions should I ask or what kind of red flags are there that I should not talk to this person, like not hire them?
0: Well, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge ambassador for NARPA, which is the National Association of Residential Property Manager. I was the national president in 2015, served on the board of directors for 10 years. So I would start there. If, if you're buying single family homes, I would say you've got to have a certified member of NARPM preferably a certified residential management company. These there a certified residential management company has audits done on their property management company on a regular basis. I mean, the worst thing that happens to investors is that, you know, you have a property manager that's managing your property and they take your deposits and rents and you, you know, you never see them again. Yep. If, if you have a certified property management company with NARPM for on the single family side, you, you have your basis covered. I, I can almost guarantee it. If there, if there is no certified firm in the area, then, you know, again, going back to who, who is this person in the community? What do they have to lose? If things go bad, uh, are they going to do the right things? And typically, you can see that with their presence online and then meeting them in person. You know, and I, I like companies that are a little bit larger because they have typically better systems and better people in place. Yeah. And then, you know, again, they have more to lose if things go bad. That's just that's typically that's typically what I see out there. Makes
1: sense. Makes sense. So I wanna go back like to your maybe like personal investing again for a little bit. Uh, you mentioned a 42 unit apartment building. Like Mm -hmm. where where was that at? Why did you buy it?
0: Yeah. And the other thing on the apartment side, going back to certifications, I love I love firms that are involved in IRAM, the Institute of Real Estate Management. So these are guys that are gonna be very helpful in helping you underwrite the right deal for your apartment so if you're going to buy an apartment building they're going to be able to calculate your cash on cash your, your your value enhancement what your irr is what your cap rate is and they're they're in the market and they understand that so you can go to iram.org or narpum.org and find these people um, they're little little diamonds in the rough in certain markets um, but that's you know if I was going into a market, those are the two places that I would look first. Obviously, I'd look at at Home River Group first, which is my company. But if we're not there, <laughs> yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking at those. I'm looking at those guys. But yeah, my I had a really interesting situation with this 42 unit complex. I had a commercial uh, real estate agent who was contacted by a friend that had a 42 unit complex. They couldn't sell it. This was back in early 2015, so it was right before multifamily just kind of blew up. And they had this this again, this is a situation where I I feel like, honestly, some of the best real estate deals are the worst managed deals. So it's a good property, just got a bad property manager that doesn't care. And the property manager is not giving uh, the right advice to the owner uh, where they're just trying to like, you know, save money and not, not reinvest in the property. And so it was one of those deals. He brought it to me and said, Hey, you know, we wanted, we, I, I don't do multifamily. Would you, would you help me find a buyer? So I put it out to my group of investors. They said they weren't interested in it. And then I got a couple of buddies, and we put together a, a nice offer on this thing. You know, I, I think we paid 1.7 for it. It's under for con- 42 units. Yeah, 1.7 million, <laughs> under contract today at three million twenty two hundred fifty thousand or two million fifty thousand or three million fifty thousand. That's it. 3 million,
1: So you're selling the property.
0: We're selling the property. We've, we've, we've identified a property because obviously cap rates in Boise have just declined, which has obviously pushed our prices up. So we're going to 1031, that property into a a fourplex community, a really nice fourplex community on the Mississippi Memphis border Uh, because our, our yields out there are way better than they are in Boise right now. Okay. So
2: you just made $1.3 million. And when did you buy this?
0: June of 2015 is when we closed. Okay. That's I'm, awesome. <laughs> and yeah, that's like, a, I quit yeah, real that's amazing. I'm, I'm like,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm like, I quit. And yeah, just, exactly. And
0: just, and just to show you like how important property management is, I mean, we took over this property. Uh, our average rent was four hundred and sixty or four hundred and sixty-five dollars. Today, our average rent is seven hundred and fifteen dollars. Wow.
1: Only, oh the
0: only thing that changed that we, you know, we didn't, we didn't do anything crazy to the. We added some baseboard and we repainted the interiors when people moved out. Yeah. And we added dishwashers and that's it. That's all we did. And we've got the rents up to seven hundred and fifteen dollars. And obviously that increases your, your yep. NOI, which you know makes your property worth a lot more money. That's So awesome. it was in decent shape when you it bought was, it. It was just yeah, it was, horribly undermanaged. It was poorly managed and hopefully that manager that's not watching this podcast. But <laughs> that manager
2: was, is not watching, they should because
0: yeah. you <laughs> was, just doubled their rents it would like, like, literally, like I said, I, I feel like some of the best deals and you know, I probably shouldn't be giving this advice, but if you called a property manager, right, this is, this is just me being honest. And this is how I find deals. I'll call property managers. I know and say, tell me about your worst owner. You know, yeah. who is that? And they hate their life, right? They yep. hate you. They hate their life. They hate their property. Can you tell them I'm interested in potentially buying that property? Yep. I've always loved that. And too. then that makes
2: Bad owner? Is this somebody who isn't actively managing it? Is it some, or well, not actively, uh, isn't actively involved at all. Is this somebody who's like slumlord or what makes, what am I looking for when I call up and say, uh, tell me about your worst owner?
0: Yeah, typically it's typically somebody that is just like, you know, in a kind of in a bad position on their property, right? Like you said, maybe, maybe they're a slumlord, penny pincher, they're not reinvesting in the property. And so every time they get a maintenance bill, they flip out, they make the property manager's life miserable. Well, that property manager is going to love to sell it to a guy like me that you know reinvests in the property, yep. makes the property, maximizes the ROI on the property. And then you know if, if the timing is right, I'll sell that property and try to exchange into something else that makes a higher yield. So, you know, and it all just depends on the cap rates. I, I love, I don't know if you guys have ever talked about, there's an awesome resource called Integra Realty Resources. Have you heard of it? I have not. Awesome. So it's IRR.org, I believe is the website. And I go on there and just like on a a consistent basis, just pull down cap rates in different markets. And you can, you can get specific. You want multifamily, you want industrial, you want office, you want, uh, you know, retail, they have all this, all this stuff, great local knowledge in each market. Typically they, they have some tertiary markets, secondary markets, primary markets, obviously, and you can pull down this information. So if I find something that makes sense to sell, I'll just go to IRR and find where the uh, the highest yields, the lowest cap rates. Sell at the low cap rate and go buy somewhere at a higher cap rate. It's a great it's a great resource for your for your listening audience, that's especially awesome. if they want to get, especially if they want to get into commercial and multifamily. You know that's a CCIM tip that I learned going through my CCIM courses a long time ago. I can't live without Integra reality resources. It's a great resource. Oh, yeah, That's awesome. Okay, you I just threw that. out
2: a ton of stuff. You yeah. threw out cap right. rates and you threw out CCIM. Can you share what that means for people who don't know for Brandon. Yes, he doesn't, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. So cap, cap rates, you know, basically cap rates are the capital capitalization rate of the, the, the p- particular markets you're looking at and those rates fluctuate based on demand. Right. And so right now, if you can buy in this market at a, you know, seven plus, seven eight nine percent cap rate, that's a heck of a yield in 2018, you know, five or six years ago, most people were buying at a nine, 10, 11 yield because, uh, rents were pretty stable. But values were down, right? Now rents are still stable, but values are up. And so that shrinks your cap rate down. So when I go into different markets, I look for high yielding cap rates. I look to sell in, in low cap rates. So I want to sell in Boise. For example, I live in Boise, I sell in Boise at a six. And if I sell at Boise in a six and I go buy in Memphis at an eight or nine, and then that is a that is a huge difference in the amount of value that I get for my money. You know, and basically to understand the cap rates, you take you know what's what's selling in that market and dividing that into the, the the net operating income, and then you get your capitalization rate. Well, we don't have, have to go in first, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's it's almost like it's almost. I mean, with the with the, the, the technology we use and the demographic searches that we use, it's almost like a crystal ball because rents historically have been very stable, where the values have been yep. up and down. All over the board. So, if you can put in a two and a half to three percent rent increase into your performance, you can almost pinpoint exactly what your your property is going to do. If you just throw out home price appreciation or price appreciation, which scares me, I don't. I never. That's like one piece of advice. I've never bought anything based on appreciation. It's always based on cash flow. Zero appreciation. You'll never get hurt if you if the numbers look good based on a cash flow, not appreciation. That's a good piece of advice. Okay, so
2: um, there I'm going to link in the show notes to a really good article about cap rates because there's a lot of confusion about it and we could spend the whole entire show delving into that. But I've got an article already on biggerpockets.com, so I will get that link and put it in the show notes. You said CCIM, and then I want to go back to this 42 unit because I have way more
0: questions. Okay, yeah. Uh, CCIM is a Certified Commercial Institute member So basically it's a it's a national, it's a worldwide association that trains uh, real estate professionals on commercial on how to buy and sell and basically consult on commercial real estate. So basically uh, apartments, you know, retail office, et cetera. So I've gone through all the CCIM classes. I took the two-day CCIM course slash test. Uh, yes, is crazy, but you just really learn how the, the the financial side of real estate works. And it's almost, um, it's, it's, it's almost kind of like cheating. You can, you can, like I said, look, <laughs> look into a crystal ball. It's, it's so important what you guys do and the education that you can get online or in person at these classes, obviously tuning into bigger pockets to understand this stuff. Cause once you really understand it, um, you can really start making smart investments. And, you know, I feel like obviously real estate is a great place, especially with, cause I, I mean, on a, on a daily basis, because what's happening with the stock market, I get people calling me I got to get my money out of the market. I get people that own retail because retail is scary right now. I know know people that have office because of the telecommuters. Amazon's putting retail out of business. Telecommuters are putting office people out of business and they're all wanting to move their money into multifamily. So what's that doing to multifamily? Well, it's driving up the price and driving down the cap rate because everybody's trying to go into that market. And again, integrability resource is a great thing, a a great website to look at. So you can see which where the cap rates are floating in each market, you know, office, retail, industrial, multifamily. And you'll see that multifamily is always at the lower end because everybody looks at multifamily as a long runway in this market. They're not sure on office. They're not sure on retail, but they think multifamily looks really good for a long time because we got all these millennials. We got what the other thing that nobody really talks about is. We have all these baby boomers that are downsizing and moving yep. into apartments. It's crazy. We get more, we get, I feel like we get more of those applications than we do the millennials because a lot of the millennials are now buying houses. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting market dynamic we've got going on right now.
1: Yeah. I find, as okay, so. I was gonna say, I find multifamily, it looks more and more interesting all the time. Like it just seems Absolutely. to be such a good, because everything, but, but like you said, the, Everyone is rushing into it, right? I mean, it's a very hot investment, right. and so it, it's hard to find those deals. So, I mean, is there any other ways that you're finding deals today other than you know talking to property managers? That was an awesome tip, by the
0: way. But anything else you'd recommend? Man, I I recommend building to rent right really? now, man. Really? That is, I think, is one of the best opportunities out there because what what a lot of these institutions are paying for rental single family homes or rental multifamily units right now, you can build them so much cheaper. Uh, and then potentially lease them up and then sell it to them at a crazy cap rate. You know, and obviously that's very market specific. Yep. I love rental development. Like I said, we've helped put 36, 3,700 units in the ground since 2011 in just Boise, Idaho. But I think that's one of the biggest opportunities right now. If you can get the construction price right, if you get the land right, you can do a home run on multifamily. And I love like fourplex communities where you have a, you know, an an HOA of fourplex owners, and you set up that home, that, that, that POA property owners association. And then you have multiple owners in there. You can sell these fourplexes where you can get 30 year 4% fixed financing. Awesome. Amazing financing. Get, you know, high yielding tenants in there and good locations. I, I love that play. Just, you know, building it because right now the, 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 the people, the people that have multifamily realize that they need to probably sell it, but their biggest issue is what do I do with it? Yep. I, I can sell it at a six cap, but I have to also buy it at six cap. So, so why would I go through it? I don't need the cash. You know, use, Back in back in the day, right, 2011, 2012, cash was king. Today, it's not that way. Cash flow is king now. So they're way more interested in their cash flow and they're way less interested in how much money they can take off the table if they sell it because they have nowhere to go with it. And they're not going to move it into retail or office. So their only option is multifamily, and those deals are hard to find. But I, I, I think I think building it, I think talking to property managers is 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 great. And then I think you know if you're if you're trying to look for a grand slam in the smile states, you know, which the coastal states, you know, inland states or whatever, you've got to you've got to look in the Midwest and some parts of the South. You could still find some really good deals, but a lot of investors are really uncomfortable going into those markets, and that's why you know that's one of the reasons why we're trying to build our property management company. In those markets because investors know us and they're comfortable with us, but we're not there. And so when we're there, they'll happily look at moving maybe a property in Sacramento at a three cap, and then buying it in you know Memphis at a seven or eight cap. So can we can we go back to the
1: the building to rent because this is something we never really talk about much here on the show because it's always been a crazy proposition to build something to rent because the numbers never seem to really work out very well. Uh, right. Now maybe because rents have risen so much in the past few years that that's not entirely true anymore. Do you do you have an estimate? Like what what are you paying, or what are you seeing in terms of price per square foot to build like a fourplex like that? Like where are you seeing that? Sure,
0: sure. And 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 obviously these numbers are going to change based on where you're doing that. But I can I can give you an example. You know, from from coast to coast, Uh, typically if you're going to build fourplexes, typically you'll get twelve, maybe sixteen fourplexes on an acre, depending on. Uh, no, sorry, not sorry, not fourplexes. Sixteen units or twelve units on an acre. If you're building fourplexes, which obviously isn't a high density fourplex, but tenants love them. They love them. They love the townhome style fourplex. But for example, if you can buy a piece of land, you know, the, just basically a paper piece, pa- paper piece of land. It's got no infrastructure. It's got you know water, sewer, electric going to it, but not in it. You want to be probably in in our market. You probably want to be under two fifty to two two dollars a square foot with the entitlements. And all the improvements that's gonna push you up probably closer to 10 to $15 a square foot. And then you probably wanna be under $80. So $95 all in makes makes a, a great yielding property in Boise, Idaho. That's that's in our market. If you go to you know okay. Inland Empire, right? You're probably because rents there are triple. So you just take that same model and just say, okay, now I've got to be buying at six dollars a square foot. And You know, construction costs are going to be a little bit higher. there, not not as much as the land. So it's really important to buy the land right. Believe it or not, there's still land deals out there where there was infrastructure put into these into these uh, locations back in 2006 before the bubble popped. And you can there's still some out there. You can buy those and you can pay a little bit more for those because the infrastructure is already there. You just finish out the streets, you know, and then start going vertical. So, so, so um, if you're at,
1: if you're at a hundred dollars, let's say you're at a hundred dollars a square foot, all in, right. on a that includes land. You're saying where you're at that, in Boise? That's right. All, all right. All so in, if, let's say then you got a, t- what, 1200 square foot. I don't know what typical is for, let's say one of those four. Yeah, places, About a tw- thousand, thousand, thousand square, square feet foot home. Okay. Yeah, so two, a thousand- bed,
0: two bath builds you a nice A minus finished thousand square foot two bed, two bath. And then $100 a hundred bucks a foot.
1: Okay. And then what, what is something like that rent for typically? Let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars into a single unit of a fourplex, a thousand square feet. What is that rent for in your market? A thousand, eleven hundred 1100 bucks. Okay. So you're, you're better than the one, you're at like 1% or better in terms of rent yep, and absolutely. The, your repairs are dramatically lower because yep. it's a new property. And you got a
0: warranty, you yep. got a warranty, you got a long runway on that property. And uh, people are doing that all day long, all over the country. And you know, there's some people that don't want to do it because they're not really sure. But let me tell you, it's not super hard to find good land deals out there. Construction's not cheap. That's your big challenge. I give you that. But money is really easy to find. I mean, you can find banks all over the country, you know, lenders all over the country that would love to lend. There's a great product called HUD 221D4 loan, which is a 40-year fixed non-recourse loan that you can get on new properties that you build. It's a pain in the butt to get it, but once you get it, you've got 40 years, of fixed wow. low interest rate, non-recourse, and you can assume that. So if you wanna sell this thing 20 years into it, you can, they, you can sell that thing and, and somebody can assume that loan. Wow. The loan, in my opinion, is worth more than the property at that point. So there's a lot of cool options out there for people that wanna get into this space. You don't, have to be a, you don't even have to be a builder. You just find a good builder that's gonna build something that's good at a reasonable price identify the land and then go get your financing. And, you know, you can knock this out all day long.
1: So how do I find a builder for something like this? I mean, like, I'm not going to call up just the local handyman to go build a, you know, $400,000 right. fourplex. So who, who does this You recommendations? So
0: my, my recommendation, if you're looking in a particular market, get your property manager, talk, call your property manager. Or if you're not in, if you're in that market, go and find something that's being built locally, that looks nice that you like, and then go talk to the contractors. Who's the general contractor here? Hire that guy directly. That's how you do it. Because mm. uh, it's hard to go to the yellow pages and find like multifamily yeah. builders in Boise. They, exactly. They're just not there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I if you if you find a local builder that does a good job, if you you go to the national companies, they're great, but they might be a little bit more money. But there's you know there's more. They have more to lose. Just like just like the property management guy. But there's 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 plenty of guys out there that do a good job, and uh, we'll we'll do it. You know, I, I think you could find builders in most markets to build you a fourplex or a multi-unit, a multi-unit, eight plex or 16 black, 16 plex at less than a hundred bucks a square foot all in. And you can get a thousand plus rents. That's what we're, that's what we're seeing in Boise and Boise is, you know, not that, not that cheap. Go ahead. Okay. So Brandon usually uses the
2: podcast to glean information for his own benefit. I'm going to use this one. Brandon, you just sit there. (laughs) Good for you,
0: Brandon. Good for you. Yeah.
2: There are two lots by my house. They currently have these crappy old houses on them. One of them is uh, uninhabitable. Uh, The other one is almost uninhabitable. Sure. How are you, you, when you say you're finding land deals, are you finding just bare land? Or you said that you could find some that had the sewer connected, but not like hooked up where are you going to find these deals? I really want to buy this house. I don't know that they're ever going to sell it. I should probably contact them. They're probably not going to call me up and say, Hey, are you looking at my house? But like, where are you finding these land deals?
0: Typically there's what we call land hounds and every market. There's this this agents that just, just typically deal in land, you know, opportunities. And then if you, if you get, you know, you get your local CCIM on the phone and say, hey, uh, I want you to do a demographic research profile and find out where in this, in this particular part of this market where they need units the most, right? Identify that and then just start emailing those land hounds and saying, we need properties in this area and we needed that this dollars per square foot to make it work. And uh, magically they start appearing. Just just go to, just go to the local, call any local uh, MLS person and say, who's, who's sold the most land deals in, your, in, in this market? and they'll tell you, and then call that guy.
2: I know who that is in my
0: market. Exactly, uh, call, that, call that guy. Yeah, okay. And, and you tell me where you, wanna, where you wanna build this thing and I'll do a, a demographic market research profile on that. And Ooh, man, nice. it's easy to put together. Thank you. Yes, do you ever, you ever buy bet.
2: properties, like this This one property, it is literally uninhabitable. That We had a flood a few years ago and it got water inside and, and they sure. just use it to store their stuff. Do you ever go in and knock those down? and then rebuild this particular properties on this sweet piece of land. That's in like a really hot area. Yes. And it's, it's this weird shape where I think I could put a fourplex on there. It's currently a single family, right? But do you have any tips for zoning or is that more like really local?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously when you put that property under contract, obviously you want to have the, basically the disclaimer or, you know, your out clause that if we can't get the proper zoning, that the, the deal goes south. Right? So you just, you just want to, make sure your zoning is right before you do something like that. That's what we've seen in the past. And it's, and it's hard in, in certain neighborhoods, it's really easy to get your zoning, right? It depends on how passionate the neighborhood is and what the city wants to do. And then in some, in some neighborhoods, it's like impossible. You'll just get fought. you know, people are just yeah. nasty about it. So <laughs> you just uh, want to make sure you want to make sure you get your zoning, right? Cause you can get stuck with a piece of property that you can't really do much with. And that's not good. But
1: then you can put that in your offer that it's contingent upon the zoning. Right? That's
0: right. That's yeah, cool. yeah. you typically can you you those land deals. You can string those out a long time to make sure you know everything is prop is proper before you buy the property and to be able to put put on there what you want to put on there.
1: Perfect. Perfect. All right. So let's let's shift a little bit and go over to some property management tips because a lot of people listening to this show have you know one two five ten rentals that they're handling. Um, that's right. and you're the guy first of all how many how many total units do you guys have under management now do you know
0: uh somewhere just north of 13,000 uh we're in yeah we're in 15 i think we're in 15 markets 11 states our strategy right now is that we we're going into these markets and we're buying portfolios or platforms uh, property management companies so a platform is basically somebody that's a it's a first class operator in that market we're buying not only the senior management the units the company everybody that comes with it And then typically once we buy that platform, so, you know, typically they'll have a thousand or more units to buy a platform. And then if they, if once we buy that platform and put that platform in place, we'll go give them the autonomy to go out and buy portfolios of properties. Cause there's a lot of, you know, turnkey providers. They're just quite frankly done managing properties. Right. And they're just like, just take these things off my hands. (laughs) I just want to sell turnkeys. And so we'll buy those units. We'll pay them for that. Or there's a lot of mom and pop operators that are, you know, you know, 70 years old and they're like, I want to be done and they'll just sell us the units. So those are those are kind of our strategies as we go into new markets. And we're 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 trying to get in right now to, you know, Texas, Arizona, um, Georgia. But we're already in, you know, California, obviously, Idaho, Utah. We're all over Florida You know, north. We're in the northeast, North Carolina, Missouri, Memphis, Mississippi, those kind of areas. So. Wow. And again, we're, so, we're, we're trying to get into like, we'd love to get into Alabama cause that's a high yielding market. Yep. You know, there's great, there's pretty good tenants there. There's high, higher cap rates there. You know, we'd love to get into St. Louis. There's, there's good opportunities there. So, so we're trying to do that's busy. Awesome.
2: Okay. So, so let's say you're not in the market that I'm in. We're in Chicago. I'm not in Chicago. I thought you were in, in Chicago.
0: Denver. Oh, no, I used to yeah, live in Chicago. We're not yes. in Denver. Denver Denver's a great market, you know, very low yielding market.
2: Yes. 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 I, I am well aware of that. Delightful <laughs> tip. Um, so, so what am I looking for in a good property manager when I can't choose Andrew? Um, go
0: to another market. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Again, I, I think, I think it goes back to, you know, finding somebody that is well-educated, certified, again, looking at their website just to start the conversation. And then have a, a smart conversation about investments because there's property managers out there that just like, you know, they fix toilets, right? They deal with tenants and they just solve problems all the time and that's what they do and, that, and, and that's needed, right? But there's also property managers out there that like understand investments too and get it and they invest and they're kind of in it with you. They're more of like a, a portfolio manager versus a property manager and kind of understand your goals. When I typically sit down with somebody that wants to you know buy something in a market uh, that I'm in. I'll, I'll, I'll first I'll, first thing I'll ask them is like, uh, you know, what kind of uh, interest rate are you wanting to get on your money? Which is an interesting question to ask somebody when they're wanting to buy an investment property, because they're not really thinking that way. But if I can help them think that way, like, hey, this is this is about paying you back for the money that you put in. Yep. Ultimately, that's what the investments are. But typically, when we're investing in real estate, we don't think that way. But that's how we should think. We should think you know cash flow dollars and cents money in money out and if you can find a partner a true partner that understands the investment side of real estate that is an amazing asset not only do i look for that in my market i look for that in every market i want to invest in because you know i want somebody that's just as passionate about property management and investment returns as i do in every market i invest in and i and i strongly i strongly recommend that people don't this is this is this is a problem i see with owners all over the country they find a market they like, and they never go anywhere else. And that's a huge problem. It's like putting all your stocks in one investment. Yeah. And no, yeah, no, no, no certified financial planner would ever say, you know, put all your stocks in Amazon probably should do that anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but you, you, you want to diversify because things can happen in those markets. Right. And if if you're in only one, only one market and that market tanks, you're, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. So I, I think diversifying not only in what your asset class is, but in location is really important. But, you know, like back to your back to your uh, answer or question, uh, find find a property manager that gets the investment side of property management and understands your investment goals. And they're in they're in it with you to make it happen. I think that's important.
1: I love that. That's a really good tip. All right. So let's let's jump to some uh, management tips, things like, for example, Actually, I want to ask this question first because, again, I like to use the podcast as kind of a selfish thing, but I think this will help other people as well. So, uh, for the, diversi- sure. d- the diversification thing, we just talked—you just talked about—I decided for that reason to invest out of state. I couldn't find a lot of deals in my market, and I wanted to diversify in case sure. you know the West Coast gets hit with a tsunami and all my properties go away. Sure. So, uh, I bought one in Cincinnati, and then Mindy and I together uh, with another partner, Ryan, bought one in Maine, which is exciting. But the one in Cincinnati, so I'm—I look- got this property. And the rents are right now at like 440 average. Though yeah. I, I look around like 15 minutes away, like, like mine's out kind of not in the sticks, but it's a good 15 minutes from or 15 miles from Cincinnati, a little smaller town. Okay, so here's my question: How do I know how high I can push these rents? Like the property right now, it's in decent shape. I mean, it's got it's a brick building, but if I go in there and make this thing look like HGTV, you know, I mean, I go in there and I paint the brick this cool sure. white color, put shutters on the windows, make it really millennial friendly. Can I push it up, or is it too small of a town to make that work I've been really debating this lately is how how do I get these rents from four fifty to where they are in other parts of Cincinnati at six fifty seven hundred how can i how can I get them there, or am I just stuck at a low amount
0: yeah i mean I, I I would recommend what I like to do if I'm looking at a property I'll do a five minute drive time map of that property and then I'll see what the average median income is for that area mm, and yep. then It's very easy at that point to say, can this can this area sustain a six or seven hundred dollar rent? In about five or six minutes, I can tell you uh, what the top side of that is. Even if even if you you know you know HD HG TV that thing out, (laughs) right? It's it doesn't matter because the demographic profile isn't going to justify the rents. You know, I just had this conversation with an investor that wants to buy in Oklahoma City. He's like, man, I think we can get eight hundred dollar rents here if we do this this and this and this and this property. I'm like look, man, the average, you know, income profile, you know, the, the household income in this area is $31,000. Now take 8,000. And, and, and typically you, you want, you want somebody to make on the top side, two and a half times, right? Yep. Half time monthly. Do that math, go backwards. And then the top side is that, is that number typically, if, if you're going to put money into it. And if, if that number doesn't make sense, then you're probably you're probably right where it needs to be. You might might you might not want to put any more money into it because the the area just doesn't justify the rents. Yeah. So it's not it's not just how pretty you make it. It's like, you know, it's it's a simple supply and demand ec- economics 101. You're not going to get, you know, people that make $50,000 a year just suddenly move into that area because you've got this, you know, shining beacon in that area because those $50,000 people a year they are five minutes away in another area. Yep. Oh,
1: that's a really, that's a really good tip. I just never, I never quite thought about it in that, in that yeah. way, but yeah, oh, working, and, and, and yeah, I love that.
0: You can, and a lot of people can just go to their local census, uh, you know, census.org or whatever, pull that information out. Yep. There's a lot of really good free tools. You don't have to call CCIM to get this information. Although I'd recommend that you can get, <laughs> you, you can look at those tools and just basically say, okay, look, our, our, our average median income here is this you know, these, this, how many people that are, they're, they're this color. And this is how many people that are, you know, this age and there's this so much information it's all about just trying to get all the information, putting it together and, and then making your best, your best judgment on, on the information available. That's like things like, you know, demographic profile, age profile, income profile, you know, what, what, what are the jobs like around there? And what are those jobs paying? You know, what do the leases look like, right? What do the addenda look like? um, the applications, again, you're just, you've got this, every time you're buying a property, I don't care if it's a single family home or it's a 400 unit apartment complex, you've got, you open up this box and it's a big puzzle and you just got to put the pieces together. And at the end of the day, if you don't put all the pieces together, it's not going to look pretty, right? But if you put it all together, it'll look gorgeous and it'll work every time if all the pieces fit, but you've got to, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at all these things to make the best decision possible. All right.
1: All right. All right, a couple more questions for you. I thought some quick ones at you. Do you rent to people who who have an eviction on the record even if it's from a long time ago?
0: Yes, yes. And that is that is a very market specific question. Okay. So our our, evict, our our eviction screening process in one market might be different than uh, like uh, you know, Memphis compared to, you know, Idaho where nobody gets evicted in Idaho. A lot of people get evicted in Memphis, but again, you you want whatever you do in each market, you want to obviously treat everybody the same way, but yeah. in, in Idaho, for example, I think it's, uh, if you've got eviction more than seven years ago, we could, if you meet all the other qualifications, we can rent to you, right? If you're in another market and you had eviction recently that, you know, it's a high eviction market, you will, we'll, we'll might, we might look past that eviction and look at the other criteria that matter income, right? Um, jobs, security, all those other things. Perfect.
1: All right. What about, uh, do you ever work payment plans out with tenants? If somebody calls you and said, Hey, I can't make rent. I lost my job. Do, do you guys have a policy for working with tenants or is it, Hey, figure it out, you know, talk to your family yeah. and friends.
0: I mean, this is, this is the, one of the other advantages of hiring a proper hiring a property manager. We don't get personally involved in these things, yep. right? We treat it like a business. And I've always recommended to our owners that you know we need to treat all the tenants the same way and we we understand that there's certain circumstances that happen that cause these people to might have financial difficulties but if we treat one tenant we give one tenant a break and then don't give another tenant a break yep. that could be that could be a potential for a hud violation so yep. we, we we strongly recommend not taking partial payments because if you take a partial payment in a month you can not you can't file the eviction that month so again i i think the best advice if you're gonna manage it yourself, which obviously I, I'm not a big fan of, I have all my properties professionally managed by uh, <laughs> by manager and I'm a property manager. But if if you're gonna do it yourself, do exactly what the, the state of the lease all the time. It's the best advice I could give any investor. Follow the lease. Yep. If, if a tenant calls up, don't have a confrontation with them. This is I, I give this advice to my property managers. If the tenant calls up and they got an issue, oh, I don't, you know, I need to move out of my house and I've got four months left on my lease, okay. Uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to send you your lease yep. just in case you don't have it. And I'm going to point out exactly what the lease says yep. if you need to move out early. Yep. And if you have any questions, call me back. Yeah, we you know? uh, we do
1: the exact same thing. Yep. Instead of. Yeah. Otherwise, it becomes personal, right? It's like, no, I'm I'm the jerk that's not letting you move out. We blame the lease for Everything and I absolutely. like
3: absolutely yeah it's absolutely it's
0: the, the lease, lease's fault.
1: The lease's fault. The lease said you it's can't what? move out. The lease said you have to pay we, your rent on time.
0: We yep. agreed to that. And yep. I'm just I'm just I'm all my job as the property manager yep. is just to enforce the terms of the lease. Yep. And do it the most professional way possible. So look, Mrs. or Mrs. Smith, I understand that's so crazy that you have to move to Memphis or whatever. I, I get that. But what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna send you your lease and I'm gonna tell you exactly what your lease says if you need to break your lease early. If you have any questions about that, let me know. We'll we'll do whatever we can to make you know to help you transition the best way possible. Yep. All right. Here you go. Send. It's lease's fault. Yep. <laughs> Fall yeah. the lease. But I mean, you know, some some guy that's managing the property himself, they'll get a call from a tenant they're like, Oh, I can't pay my rent. Yep. And you know, we manage we manage 13, 14, doors. We don't have anybody like a month behind. Some guy that manages two or three properties will come in and like, hey man. I've got these three properties. This one's six months behind. This yep. one's eight months behind. I'm like, you manage three properties and you can't get them to pay on time? Like, yep. what, what is going on? It's like, oh, I'm just a nice guy. I'm like, ah. Can I so, read from you? <laughs> so when I, when I got,
1: when I started building my portfolio a little bit larger, you know, I was up to like, I think 20 some units, maybe 25 units. I was, I found myself always doing that. The tenant would call me and then they would tell me a sob story and emotion. I get involved and I'm like, oh, yeah. all right, yeah, don't worry about it. But then what, how I solve that. Cause I looked at my own weaknesses again. Some people work on fixing their, their weaknesses and some people just find a way around them. I always find a way around them. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm never going to get better at confrontation or at trying to be less in like emotionally involved. I'm just always going to be. So I need to get myself out of the situation. So that's when I hired my mother-in-law just to answer phones. That's all she did at the beginning. I was like, because she liked, she was looking for a job. She was recently retired. I just wanted something part-time. It's like, just answer phones for me uh, and then follow the lease. And if you have questions, ask me all of a sudden I never talk to tenants anymore. I could make a rational decision versus an emotional one. And then it's just a job for her. So what does she care if she tells a tenant no or yes, it's just, you know, because she has to follow my rules. Right. So like, yeah, I, I found that getting myself at least one person removed. Now, if there was a great property manager in my area, hands down, I would have just shifted all over to them. There just wasn't at the time. Now, there's one that I'm enjoying right now. But anyway, yeah, that's That's uh, getting yourself removed from the emotion is so important. That mobile home park, actually, Mindy and I just bought, uh, They when we were interviewing, like going in there, talking to the resident manager... She's like, yeah, well, this guy owed us, um, he was behind, I think it was like $6,000 on a $300 a month rent. Like, how do you get, how (laughs) far behind do you have to be? I mean, I'm sure I could do that math, but like, that's insane. And there was not, there was multiple people like that, that they had these payment plans worked out of years of not paying rent. Like, really? Like, yeah. anyway, one, one last story and then we'll move on the last week. Actually, my wife told me that I try to stay out of the management side now the business but she told me the story of how one of the tenants that called up and said hey I you know I think it was a check bounce so we called them and said hey your check bounce or whatever right and they said well I just can't pay until the 25th and we did the well your lease says you have to do this and the lease also says that you'll get a you know a a three-day notice if you don't pay which we're going to deliver to you today and uh anyway within like 24 hours they had paid it so like this they told like I cannot pay until the 25th it's all about priorities, right? Every tenant, right. every tenant has enough money to pay rent. They don't have enough money to pay all their bills, so right. everything gets prioritized. So sure, uh, that's hey, and, I, and I remember a, that.
0: And, and another tip, like I, I think this is really important. We've seen delinquencies go way down because of this. Definitely look for a property manager that has the ability to get all of your tenants paying online, yep. or automatic automatic draft, or has like a credit card portal where they can pay because. We have we we've been taking credit cards. We have this thing called cash pay where people can go to like a 7 Eleven and pay cash. It's awesome, right? I love it. And it just goes right into a ledger. It just takes all the screw ups out of the property management accounting. Property management, in my opinion, are two things: communication and accounting. And if you can get the accounting automated, it really helps with the screw-ups of the accounting side. But you know, getting your tenants to pay online, have their have their money automatically drafted or cash pay. Have a property manager that has those technology capabilities because we've seen delinquencies go way, way down when it just automatically comes out. They don't have to think about it, they don't have to put it in the mail. In fact, our 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 policy is that, hey, if you sign a new lease, you basically have to pay online at a cash pay location, has to come automatically. And then you'll see those delinquencies go down and you'll see the stress of the property managers go out the door. They can focus more on adding value to your units instead of just like being a collection agency, which is which is a tough burnout job. There we go. I love
1: it. Love it.
2: Okay. I have one more question before we move to the fire round. I am the community manager for Bigger Pockets. I am in the forums all day, every day. And I see this question come up all the time. My tenant is late. Should I start the eviction? Blah, blah, blah. As a professional management company, when do you start the eviction?
0: And what are your state laws? When the lease says. When the lease says, so what does the lease
2: say? Do you use all the same leases for all of your properties in one locate, like in one state,
0: or do yes. you use? Yes, we, we try, we try to have all of our leases the same, but there's, there's certain state laws that will prevent you from doing the same thing. You know, especially if you want to evict somebody in California, it's going to be oh, a much sell the house situation than evicting <laughs> somebody in Idaho. And that's a, actually, you know, maybe you bring up a great point though. Like it's, it's very important uh, when you're making investment choice, as far as location, look at, look at the landlord tenant laws. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. uh, what, California is a very interesting, fun state, but you could you could get a tenant in there and it'll take you six to eight, you know, six to 12 months to get somebody out. Where in uh, Memphis it takes you know you just take their door off you know like whatever <laughs> <laughs> just don't kidding. take their you, door it, off you can't, it, can't do that <laughs> yeah you can't do that I'm just I'm just joking but landlord tenant laws are very important as far as you know making a making a, a choice so but yeah okay. I mean but again back to your we we try uh, the eviction we try to obviously we follow the state laws and follow the lease yep exactly how it says okay yep. and, so let's say and, and do and do it and do it don't do it they, yes if they, yeah if they say you know, oh man, I'll be out next week. Okay, well, you know, we'll 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 send you a what we call a promise to pay in writing. But just in case you fail, we're gonna go ahead through the eviction process. If yep. you pay us, great. But if you don't, we're starting the we're we're starting it. That's our leverage point. Yep. Right. love that.
2: Okay, so in Colorado, I believe I don't have any Colorado rental properties. So I'm not totally up on my landlord tenant laws. Okay. Um, And finding landlord tenant laws is really kind of difficult. You can't just, I mean, you can Google your state's name, landlord tenant laws, like Colorado landlord tenant laws. And you try, the links are not as easy as they should be to find. I did some research for when Brandon was writing his book and I looked up every single state and I read them and it's really difficult to find them all. So yeah, definitely look up your landlord tenant laws. But in Colorado, I believe we don't have any grace periods. So rent is due on the first, and it is late on the second. And we have a three day payer quit. So then on the January first, rent is due. January second, I would uh, post the three day payer quit, and then that's so that doesn't count the second. So that's the third, fourth, fifth, and then on the sixth, I can file the eviction. Right. In in theory, if, those, yeah, if, if everything if, if, that I'm saying if is that's true, what,
0: yeah, if that's what the Colorado laws, and typically your rent can be due whenever your lease says. We typically give them a five day grace period, so yep. we say, okay, rent's due on the first. We'll accept it up until fifth at five o'clock, but at five o one, we're going to, you know, we're going to hit you with a three day notice to pay or quit, and okay. then three days three days go by. We go down to the we
1: go down to the courthouse. Yeah, we do and file an eviction. We do the same thing because if, if rent is due on the first, we get into the fifth. Now the some landlords don't do the grace period thing. Some states That's require right. it, but some don't. I like it though because a lot of my tenants are on some kind of program. And most of those programs money doesn't go out until the second or third. Sure. Or sure. the fourth sometimes. But almost everybody in the world, almost every program is there by the fifth. Um and yeah. if not, then they better just be a month ahead. But anyway, so I always do the yeah, so like the fifth on the sixth, they get their three day notice on the 10th, they get eviction filed by the end of the month. They're out like in a perfect, right. in a perfect month for us. Like that's typically how we do it. That said, like because we follow our lease, like we, we, that's the irony of real estate. I'm sure you've seen this as well, Andrew, like sure. the like the more strict you are, it feels like you'd have more problems and more tenants would yeah. get evicted. But no, the more strict you are, the more you follow your lease, the less evictions you have and the less problems, because right. what yep. happens is tenants are like, OK, we'll make a payment plan for you. Oh, don't worry about that late fee. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. And they're soft in the tenant was then train the tenant. To be irresponsible, which then right. eventually they're going to owe so much money. Then you got to evict them and they can't ever get caught up. You're doing your, you're doing your tenant a disservice. If you don't like, if you're not strict, if you're not uh, you yeah. know, firm. So
0: the, the, my, one of my favorite quotes, I, I tell it to my people all the time. that the lazy parent that cleans his child's room. Yep. Yep. You know, there are they're I mean, people. people, man, you gotta, I mean, if, <laughs> if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, yep. but you know. I, I I I've told that to a, a thousand people you know hey I I don't clean my kids room because uh, they need to clean their room yep. you know Love and it. if I do it they're they're just gonna they're just gonna take that and I'll be cleaning the room the rest of their life there you go so, yes, super, super good advice
1: super good advice so let's let's uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about property manager here in a second in the next segment of the show which we call our fire it's round. time for the fire round All right, this is the fire round, and today we uh, are going to talk property management questions, you know, landlording questions. These all come direct out of the BiggerPockets landlording forum, which of course you can get to by going to biggerpockets.com forums, and uh, there's specifically one there just for landlord questions. So uh, why don't I start with this one? I just switched to a new property manager, but the old property manager did not send the security deposit to me or all the documents and all the keys, and now they're not responding to my calls or emails. What do I do?
0: That's, that's a sucky situation first, first of all. <laughs> um, but there's, I think the best recourse there is if, if you're, if you're trying to communicate with them and they're, they're basically shutting you out and they're holding your, your, your rents and deposit hostage, depending on what the state's statute is on who oversees property management, uh, a quick call to the real estate commission or, um, you know, the secretary of state mm, typically yep. gets a property manager to like, Oh boy, here we go.
1: That's a great tip
0: kind of a last straw, but even saying, Hey, I'm going to call these people because you're not calling me back. It's scaring me. They'll freak out and call you back. I'm guessing. Now that's a good tip. I was thinking, I'm a
2: real estate agent and I didn't even consider that. I was like, Oh, call an attorney. Glad you answered that. (laughs)
0: Calling. Yeah. Calling an attorney. That's just a, you watch your, watch your rents and your deposits go away in one second. Cause they're going to send them a letter and that's probably going to work, but the letter is going to probably cost more than what your deposits or rents are. So true.
2: And the, the real estate commission, at least in my state, they're pit bulls. They yeah. do not want anybody f- stepping outside of the letter of the law. They're yeah. really,
0: really strict. So that's depends, a really great. It does. It honestly depends on which state you're in, but if you're in, if, if you're in a state where property management is overseen by the department of finance or the real estate commission, those are really, those are, those are, those are calls that, you know, you know, are, are kind of. Desperate, desperate last, you know, kind of Hail Mary type calls, but they'll work. I, and I, and you don't even necessarily need to call them. You just call. You say, "Hey, I've, I've, I've. Con- I'm, I'm going to call them if you don't call me back, and that'll typically get them to call you back." God. That's what I've done. Yeah.
2: Okay. Here is the the service dog question. Yeah. I would <laughs> like to know the process. Hey guys, it's,
0: victim- it's been a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Or, or, yeah. no, come back, come back. <laughs> oh dear why the,
2: the twist because you're a <laughs> professional property manager I would like to know the process of evicting someone who has a service animal is that any different than the normal process yes service animal late rent not pay rent noise disturbance from excessive barking in the building etc all the legit reasons to evict a tennis tenant with a service dog this is a huge question it's becoming I really abused the whole service sign up. animal I thing. Sign up
0: for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can help you. I can help you. I uh, know.
2: them on all yes. the same normal Yes. Period? I do you I have to I, give them any I special I, preferences? Any special like extra notice or anything?
0: No. Okay. No. No, I mean, I would hate to evict anybody for anything other than non-payment of rent because that's going to be a very expensive thing to do. So, if you have a barking dog service animal situation, There might be other, there might be other things you can do to get them out, like, you know, pay them to leave cash for keys or something like that. I would much, because in in most states, if it's non, if it's for anything else besides non-payment, it's, it's a slow eviction process. Attorneys have to get involved. So, but if it's, if if we're talking non-payment, treat them like everybody else. There you go. Don't, if you treat them differently, then you're in violation of, you know, the, the housing and urban development laws. So you want to treat everybody the same. But if they, if they have a, you know, if they have a note from a provider or whatever, you have to obviously rent to their rent to them and to their pet without charging a deposit, whatever. But if they're not paying their rent, that doesn't give them an excuse. And I've, we've been in this, we've been in this like situation where people say it's because of my disability, because I can't pay rent. What do you do? I mean, that's, yeah. that's another, have you had that one? That's I, a, that's I a, that's,
1: but That's, yeah,
0: that's but fine. that, that's happened. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't pay my rent because I have a disability and you can't evict me. Yep. What do you, well, what, what do you guys Yeah, do? I can,
2: but yeah. yeah that's
0: you can. not Exactly right. You treat them like everybody else. Yep. Is, is really yeah. what happens. I mean, the whole premise of the, the, the fair housing laws is to treat everybody the same. Yep. And so just because they, they, they can't pay their rent doesn't make, make them exempt, unfortunately. So, and, and, and here's the other thing, like disclaimer, uh, consult your local, you know, yep attorney on this stuff, because what I can do in the states I'm in is a lot different than other states. So this might not apply, but, um, the, the, the great advice is treat everybody the same. There Perfect.
1: You go. I love it. All right. Next question. Semi-related, but not quite. I recently discovered that our tenants are hiding their ferret in the basement of our duplex. They're otherwise really good tenants. They pay on time, responsible, friendly neighbors. They were keeping them in his mom's basement, them, so multiple ferrets, until uh, she moved in with her boyfriend and then they snuck them into our basement. So the ferrets are caged. I'm just upset they tried to hide it and in doing so violated our lease. What's the best way to handle it? I mean, it's a ferret, uh, so it's not like a dog or, you know, yeah. not a No, German ferrets shepherd. stink. Do they? Oh, ferrets, yeah,
2: ferrets have a really bad okay, smell. Yeah. You have to wash them like every day. Just All like right, minks.
0: All right, so what do they? What do we? What do
1: they? What do you do? Do you evict somebody who's a good tenant over that?
0: Again, I strongly recommend, at least in the states that we're in, not to evict anybody other yeah. than for non-payment of rent, and try to figure out either for them to remove their per, uh, the, their ferrets. And I think a lot of this is is getting the lease clause right up front. So very specific, you know, no pet policy or what pets are permitted, and if they're caught with a pet, what happens? So our lease will say, hey, if we find a pet in your uh, property we're going to go ahead and back charge you for all the months that you've lived there, a pet rent. And then we're going to start charging you a very expensive pet rent. And then they're going to be like, well, crap, I'm going to move out. I can't afford this. Or I'm going to get rid of the ferret. Right. So, but you got to have the, you got to have that language in your lease that, Hey, if if you're caught without a, you know, an authorized animal in your property, there's serious consequences. And hopefully those consequences are going to get you to get rid of that thing or move out, which is- way better than trying to do a slow evict on a, on a, on an animal. And then they're going to, and on, and then they'll pay the, you know, this is a service animal card. And then will. they just screwed. Yeah. And you're
1: in trouble. Yeah. I, I, what we've always found is that like, I mean, it happens. Tenants moving animals all the time and they always know they're not supposed to, they always doing it secretly. They always know they're breaking a rule. And so most of them are pretty good, except for the ones that then go and claim service animal. But most, most of them have been pretty good about when we, when we hit them up, like, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to fly. You know, you have to get rid of the dog period. We'll give you yeah. to next Friday. They yep. almost always do. But yeah, a couple of right. times it's been the, well, I can't get rid of it. It's my service animal. And then it's right. All right. Right. Well, that's, maybe. and that's
0: awful. And, yeah. and uh, one thing that we, we recommend is a, a biannual inspection of the property to to uncover those service animals Cause, yep. or not animal service animals, but the pets, the pets. Yeah. yeah. Cause, um, there's, there's a lot of people that sneak them in and they think they do a good job of like hiding it. And it, it's really obvious the second you walk in there.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. Next question.
2: Okay. I showed one of my rentals last night to a person who got through my pre-screening, which, asks, which includes asking if the person has had an eviction, to which he replied, never. I did a quick search on his name and address and found he has had a couple of evictions and other small claims, looks to me like a professional tenant or one in the making. In practice, what is the best way to handle this? Should I allow him to apply and send him an application and then deny him? Or- I'm looking to avoid some falling into some sort of legal trap.
0: Yeah, no, I, I typically, uh, whatever your application. Pro- so again, you want to have your screening. If, if somebody applies for a, whatever, whatever apartment or a, a house, you want to have your screening policies either on your website or you know at the office and uh, your application process basically in writing. And so I would just like your lease, whatever your screening process says, your application process says, uh, just follow that. If it's typically not I do a quick check to see if you're on the repository and then you do it and then you call them and say, hey, don't apply because I already checked and you're, you know, you're I I wouldn't do that. I would stick to the exact same process every time.
2: Okay. So what I keep hearing from you is stick to the same process. Have a process and stick to
0: it and make Absolutely. no exceptions. And yeah, because I mean I what, just, what'll what'll happen is a uh, HUD will come in and say, the first question show me your, show me your policies and your procedures on, you know, what, what is your screening policy and what is your process on how you, how you do that. And then they're going to check to make sure you do everything the same way. That's it. Yep. I'm asking this for all the people Ask in the forums, you're a professional
2: property manager. And he says, find a process
0: and stick to it. Yep. That's right. And, and don't, don't deviate from it. Like, I think it's, I think it's interesting that, Hey, you know, I get a, I can't, I kind of, this is the like the, the the bad thing, right? I get a I get a vibe about this guy, so now I'm going to go to the repository and oh, yep, he's got an eviction. Call him up, hey, don't apply, loser. You've got an eviction. <laughs> don't call him. And, yeah, and then and then he goes and then he calls you know the local fair housing council, and you're in trouble. Like we've had we've
1: had people. Sorry, I lost you. Yeah, Perfect. could you go back? Just yeah, to yeah. Know, so like I mean, we we always let anybody apply who wants to apply, period. Even if they tell us, hey, I've got no job, I've got a zero credit score, and I've got a murder on my background check, we'll be like, well, right. our policy is we don't run to people who have a murder, uh, but here's an application if you want to apply. That's right. Because then we can we, they can't come back later and say, well, you didn't let me apply because you're a racist or because you're a sexist or whatever. You know, there's a million things they could say or because I'm disabled. And Perfect. And I didn't know you were Perfect. disabled. Well, I can't ask you that anyway. So how do I, and yep. like the whole thing just gets <laughs> weird. So like, just follow the your process no matter what. Yeah. And, uh, and, then,
0: and, yeah. and, if they call up, I mean, this is why it's so awesome to have it on your, your website yep. is this, and they call up and say, Hey, I'll shoot you a link to the, to the, to the process and how we do this and yep. what, what our screening criteria is. And then yep. you can decide at the, at the bottom of that screen, you can click apply.
1: Yep, we put our screening criteria right on our application as well, and it's on when they apply online. It's there as well; like it's everywhere. Yeah. So like they know you must make three times or whatever it is the rent. You must not have an eviction. The last thing we have seven years. Maybe we have ever. That's right. We don't rent to smokers anymore. Like we just decided to stop renting the smokers because we didn't
0: not to protect not to protect yeah. not to protect Yeah.
1: Yep. I don't rent to dirty people. Also not a productive class. <laughs> more subjective,
0: more yeah. subjective.
1: I don't know if that's actually in my thing, but I, I you try not to. You should put that in
2: writing. Wait no, I probably in. won't. Uh, <laughs> you could, yeah, you probably want to edit that part out. Um, so I don't rent We're in Colorado. We have the uh, legalized marijuana, oh, yeah. but yeah. it is oh, illegal on the federal level. So we don't rent to people who smoke pot. We don't allow, we don't allow them to smoke pot. I guess you can't really ask them, do you smoke pot? And they're like, yeah.
3: But Mindy,
2: what if it's medical? Yeah, exactly. Even if it's medical, it's not a protected class.
0: You can't, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, we, we definitely have in all releases. There's no smoking inside. Doesn't Correct. matter yep. what it is. No smoking. Yep. You
2: and know? no illegal substances. It's still illegal on the federal level. It and may,
1: recently it is, but so is co, I mean, so is, uh, um, all drugs, right. But there are drugs that you can, like, if you're prescribed medical marijuana, that is now a drug you cannot tell somebody they cannot take medical marijuana if it's prescribed because it's not illegal to take medical marijuana at a federal level it's only legal to take recreational med- med- medical marijuana or med- marijuana, right yeah. now that gets weird
2: I, See, you know i thought it was all illegal on the federal level
1: uh no federal allows for medical i think or maybe they just it's don't have a me- law we against need a
2: it. marijuana person on the site <laughs> on the show let's
1: get some med- marijuana people so what do you know about that andrew <laughs> like ah i'm
2: not Anything? the guy <laughs> i'm not <laughs> either i just live in the state
1: so maybe maybe it is May i don't know about the medical thing federal wise but either way like it gets really sticky because then like it also is weird because you can't even ask a tenant if it's for like you can't ask them what their disability is that they need it for and it's just it's it gets yeah. weird so we try to we just we radical. try to find other ways to avoid tenants that like, typically if somebody's like there's always something you can find in a tenant almost that, that is legal to discriminate against, you know, like we don't rent to people who have not enough income or job or whatever. It's usually not just one thing. It's usually not just.
0: Yeah. They're marijuana. usually hitting a lot of those. Correct. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Usually, lot- usually yeah, that's usually the case. And if yeah. it's, and if, you know, we, we have in our, our, our policy, right. You know, if it's a, if it's an income issue, you can get a cosigner, right. Or you yep. can, or you can if your credit's not there, you could pay additional deposit and stuff like that. So we try to we try to work with them. Yep. You know, if they if they shine in all the other areas, but it's one area that's not a like a definite no. You can look at co-signers or additional deposit and stuff like that to, to help protect you.
1: There you go. All right. Well, let's move on to the last segment of the show, which we call our Famous Four. All right, these are the same four questions we ask every guest every week, and we're gonna throw them at you. Number one, Andy, what is your favorite real estate? Related book.
0: Favorite real estate related book. I've I've done read a lot of real estate books. The I would say what what yeah. Put it up there. Let me see. Let me see what it is. <laughs> the book on rental property. Thank investing. you, Mindy. Wow, thank you. My for my, my my book what on rental be- property investing <laughs> is, is is my is my favorite book. But since I haven't read that one yet, but I'm going to now. Good. You better. Uh, I, I, I love, I love the, it's called the CI 101. It's, it's a, it's a commercial real estate investment book uh, put out by the CCIM Institute. And it's everything you need to know about how to invest the numbers in 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 real estate. It's, it's probably not a book that, you know, you know, it's a great book if you're not interested in that stuff to put you right to sleep, but if you're interested (laughs) in it, you'll love it. It is, it is years of great research and smart people put that thing together. Awesome. Well,
2: lucky for you, everybody here is really into that stuff. Yes. So is this a readily available book since it's by the CCIM Institute, or do you have to be a CCIM to get it? I, I, I don't
0: CCIM I think or? I think anybody can get it. And I think there if if you if you Google search CI 101 commercial investments, you'll you'll be able to pull that down. Okay. And all that all that really deep, like, you know, how to, how to how to understand how the investments work. Buy the numbers, it's, it's all in there and it's pretty easy to follow.
2: Cool. Okay, I will, I will put a link. I'll find it, a place that people can buy it and I'll put a link in the show.
0: Yes, room. you should be able to buy it.
2: Okay, thank you. You're what welcome. is your favorite business book, non-real estate business book?
0: I'm a culture guy. I love to try to figure out how, uh, what mo- kind of motivates people. And I think the one that I've kind of gone back to a lot obviously you know the one that kind of transformed my life the one that got me out of being kidnapped was uh, how to win friends and influence people but oh, business nice. book specifically uh drive by daniel pink was very helpful
1: cool i've um, not i've not and, read that but i've heard it's good
0: yeah no we've you know we've got in boise alone we have almost 100 people 300 people nationally that work for our company so it's like how do you keep property management exciting every day and if you figure that out right you've got some great things going on and that's a great culture you know, what really drives people to be great every day.
2: Perfect. Don't screen your tenants. That'll keep it exciting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what you got, Mindy? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not doing real estating?
0: So I, I always think about like a, like a million things are going in my head all the time. Opportunities, threats, you know, it's like a SWOT analysis happening every second in my brain, <laughs> yep. right? There's one thing that like turns that off. Uh, and it's stand-up whitewater paddleboarding. Oh, really? Oh, that's neat. Yes. And is there? Are there opportunities in Boise to do can, stand-up? whitewater I can paddle? leave my office at five o'clock and be on the be on the river at six o'clock, and then have a two-hour float and be off the water by eight thirty, and be home by nine fifteen before it's dark in the summer. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, we just we we float the. Uh, it's got some class two and class three rapids. There's Gloif and, and Mike's Hole. There's like, they all got names and it's awesome. But just like trying to not die when I'm doing that activity yep. is just takes 100% of my focus. And so that's why I love it. It just takes everything away. That's what, great.
1: First of all, I did not know there was a thing, stand up whitewater paddleboard. I've heard of paddleboarding, but yes. that's that's super cool. I
0: want to try that sometime. Um, it is You're welcome. I will, if you come down, like you'll, if you've done paddleboarding, you'll love it. And then, and and like the first couple of times you'll like sit down on the rapids and kind of canoe through them, but you get through a big rapid, you stand up on that thing, you get through, it's the best feeling in the world.
1: That's awesome. So that's actually why I love, I'm addicted to surfing. I love surfing. I first went to surf with Mindy and then I went out to Hawaii last April. I'm actually going out there on Sunday, moving out there for the whole winter, just to surf because it's for that exact reason is my mind clears when I'm on the water. you like, you're in the zone and it's the best feeling ever.
0: Yep, yeah. and it's dangerous. I mean, it's da- like I said, I, I take it takes so much focus to not die. Yep, <laughs> and so I'm just just trying oh, to. Get core that. must be awesome. Oh no, no, it's not. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Let's see it. Let's we'll see it. No. <laughs> no, no. But uh, but it is it is it is intense. It is so much fun. And like I said, it's like it's the only thing that just takes all my focus because uh, it, it requires your focus.
1: Yep, I love nice. it. Nice. All right, my last question of the day: What do you believe? sets apart successful real estate investors from all those who give up, fail or just pure and simple never get started.
0: Uh one word man, knowledge, you know. Knowing knowing what to look for and again just putting the this putting the puzzle together. You can I think you can get lucky on a couple deals, but yep. if you if you're not if you don't know what you're doing and you're not asking the right questions or looking for the right thing, eventually they'll catch up with you. The people that have done it and continue to do it and be successful, you know, in general over long term, uh, really understand how the investment side of the asset works. And if you can do that, you can make real estate work in any market, in any market, you know, you can make it work. Cool. Awesome. Fantastic. That's a great answer. Okay. Andy, where can people find out more about you? You know what our website, uh, we have our national website that links to all of our local sites, homeriver.com It's very simple. www.homeriver.com. Uh, you can find out more about me there. I, I think there's a, there's a profile on me there. Our chairman, John Hirschfeld, all the all the uh, senior vice presidents we have working for us. So we we have our, uh, our 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 national MA and uh, in finance is based in New York. Our headquarters is in Florida, and then we have uh, eleven states across the across the nation. So we got a pretty good footprint, but we're trying to grow. Um, you know, we're always obviously looking for people that need a, a partner in property management. People are looking to sell their property management companies. Uh, we have a great private equity firm that's helping us acquire property management companies. So we're we're trying to do something that's never been done, which is, you know, a, a bona fide real national property management presence. There's a lot of bigger property management companies, but they're not in every location. And, you know, we wanna, we wanna do that. We wanna be the first ones to do it. And, and that's tough, you know, a pioneer in any in any venture, it's a tough road. Yep. Um, but it's it's super exciting. Super exciting.
1: Oh, well, cool. Well, cool. Last last question I actually do have. I said it was the last question, but you own a bowling alley, so I want to know, like, what? That's right. Yeah. What is your average right. bowling score? Score and what is your best bowling score?
0: So, again, i I did not buy this bowling alley because I love bowling. Uh, it was strictly dollars <laughs> and cents purchase. Okay. I have learned a. I have learned to like it, and there's this whole world of bowling that I didn't know existed. It's awesome. It's crazy. But I I say my average it's gone up from about 80 to a hundred and the best I've ever done is one seventy-four, And that's, that's true. Nice. But uh, if, <laughs> if you, if there's an awesome article about uh, when I bought this bowling alley, cause it was owned by one family for 50, 60 years. And then I bought it back in o- October, but I believe the headline is world's worst bowler buys historic Valley alley. So that's it's awesome. a great read. <laughs> Idaho Statesman front page is awesome. So. I
3: right, will we'll, we'll link to it. To Go,
0: it. Bowling. Go bowling.
1: Yeah. I actually love. I love bowling. I'm horrible at it, but you know, I like. I like it. It's fun. All oh, yeah. right, it's stress yeah. relief. It's it, is, it is. It is. It's a fun thing. It's not as cool as stand up water waterboard, No, waterboarding. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 waterboarding. It's
1: not as fun as waterboarding. <laughs> <laughs> I just
0: got one. Well, I love being waterboarded. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, let's get out of here. Thank you so much. Uh, Andy, this is a lot of fun today. And uh, you know, you people have crack. questions and they want to know more from you. Ask it in the uh, show notes, which you can get at biggerpockets.com forward slash show 265. Thanks so much. Andy.
0: Thank You so much. You guys are great.
1: Thanks. Bye. All right. And that was our show with Andy props, man, that was crazy. Uh, starting with his uh, kidnapping story. That was, that was awesome and, and very sad I can't and even tragic believe. and amazing that he got out of it.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, yay, he got out of it. Can you imagine being kidnapped for a whole week in a country that I'm sure he spoke the language, but not like super amazingly well. And Russian mobsters, that's kind of scary. And getting beat with baseball bats, man. Well, that's probably not the best day of his life. Probably not. But
1: uh, he's had, he has a cool story though. Like I really like, I love the way that, I don't know. I feel like when I talk to a guy like him, who's a professional property manager like in the fact that he does everything almost the same way that I do things in my business, I'm like, okay, good. I'm doing things probably right. Like, and, and I see people who just struggle so much with being a landlord. They really struggle with being a landlord. And when I look at the reasons why it's because like, they don't follow processes. They don't follow rules. They don't think that they have a business. They just like doing it like they're, I don't know, sewing a hat on their head or something. You know, like that's like a hobby, right? Not like a business. (laughs) I don't know. What do you call that when you're like crocheting? Is that the word that people, hipsters like to do today? They crochet
2: crocheting is the, uh, yeah. That's a
1: hipster thing. I don't know. They do it.
2: What would you know about hipster things, Brandon?
1: (laughs) Hey, I've got big glasses. I'm sure I could (laughs) wear them. I actually don't. All right. Anyways, I got a lot out of it. So I got so
2: much out of it. I I really enjoy the, enjoy is not the right word. I'm, I'm so like reassured that everything that I have done in my rental property management career and everything that I am continuing to tell people in the forums all the time, you know, have your processes, stick to your rules and, you know, follow your lease. It's nice to hear that somebody who does this for a living as his actual job says the same thing.
1: That's very true. And kid, insert a shameless plug here. So my wife and I actually wrote a book called The Book on Managing Rental Properties. It is a big, bright yellow book. You can get it at any Barnes and Noble pretty much in the country. Also, you can get it at biggerpockets.com store. But it's like 397 pages of just how to manage tenants. And like I said, almost everything Andy does, we do. So if you wanna know our process and how we do it, including there's like forms in there and all this kind of cool stuff, Uh, Get it on Amazon, get it from Barnes & Noble, or get it with a bunch of bonuses when you get it at biggerpockets.com slash landlord book. I think you can get that one and the book on rental property investing and a bunch of other stuff. Biggerpockets.com (laughs) slash, oh, that's not it. That's biggerpockets.com slash rental. Oh man, what is that? Slash rental property book? I can't remember. Hold on. Wow.
2: If only there was a way to look this up, Brandon.
1: Rental book. Rental book. Let me try that. Biggerpockets.com slash rental book. Yeah, that was it. Okay. So go to biggerpockets.com slash rental book and you'll get, uh, you can get- You get the big yellow book and the big blue book combined together, 600 and some pages of property management stuff, plus uh, other cool stuff. So,
2: you know, I don't, I don't want to diminish your, I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like a shameless plug or that I'm like stroking your ego, but this is really well written and it's easy to understand any big words you explain in plain English. And that was, that was my wife. I,
1: I don't know big words, so I don't write big words.
2: My, okay. my wife. Makes Everything that Heather did was beautiful and perfect. And then you, you know, came uh, along. And I, I came whatever, along, and put but... my face
1: on the back cover and we sold some books. So, you know, nice. I'm a male model. Nice. What can I say?
2: Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, no, These are great <laughs> no. books. Thank you. No, <laughs> you're too tall to be a male model.
1: I am too tall to be a male model. And I, I don't have a six pack. So I, I'm not going to model, you know, whatever. I don't care. I'm a hand model. Just like on Zoolander. Remember that?
2: A hand model, oh, oh, my David. I actually David Duchovny was like,
1: "Oh, my. What? all right, I'm, I I'm leaving. It. I'm leaving right now. This is done." How have you never seen <laughs> Zoolander? It's like I'm not a, It's like it's like top five best comedies of all time. Maybe even top like two best comedies. It stupid. No, the gasoline fight accident. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so funny.
2: I want to see a gasoline fight.
1: So funny. And like the, oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff in that movie. You've got to watch that now. Zoolander, like you and I are okay. going to watch Zoolander. We'll bring Carl in and Heather won't care, but but you and I and Carl, will have a good time
2: to watch it. All right. Okay. I will put that on my list. Please. Uh, I would, since you got to do a shameless plug, I am Please. going to do a shameless plug. Okay. What is it? On Monday's episode of the bigger pockets money podcast. That's your we new show. To- That's my new show. We talked to Scott and I talked to Mr. and Mrs. Waffles on Wednesday, and they have a really amazing story about how they decided they wanted to become financially independent. They share their tips for how they have their own business that helps them write off all sorts of things that you normally wouldn't be able to write off as just like a regular person because she works from home. It's a really great episode. They're really interesting people. And I would encourage you to check it out at biggerpockets.com slash money show eight money show zero eight. All right. Now I got to go and see if that's actually the show. number.
1: (laughs) So while you're looking that up, uh, you know, it's funny. Like you hear people's last names like Johnson is like son of John or like Thompson is usually a son of Tom. Like back in like hundreds of years ago when they came up with last names. Where did Mr. and Mrs. Waffles on Wednesdays come like where did that last name come from? I'm just kidding. Oh. I know, I know well, that's
2: not that's real. A, but. Wow. But we cover that in the, in the show. And okay. I was I was the big fat liar. It is actually show number seven. Oh, you are a so liar. So that is biggerpockets.com slash money show seven.
1: Zero seven so. or just seven?
2: Zero seven. Okay. <laughs> seven would also work. I do a redirect. Oh, okay, good. So yes, so a thousand apologies for giving you the wrong information the first time. But yeah, it's a great show. Uh, lots of fun, lots of energy in that show. So check it out.
1: All right. Well, with that, let's get out of here. I've got stuff to do like real estate stuff. So I'm going to get out and go do that. So
2: you're going to nap. I might nap. Okay. Brandon, thanks for letting me step in.
1: Thank you. I always have a good
2: time when I come to the show.
1: I enjoy having you here. So thank you. And, uh, who knows? Josh will be back soon. He's, he's, uh, I think he'll be back soon. We'll see. So anyway, all right, (laughs) let's get out of here. So
2: for the Bigger Pockets Podcast, this is Mindy Jensen signing off.
1: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions
3: of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own.